Okay, good morning, Faith Fellowship. And uh, if you, yes, there are some in attendance. I have not heard it in attendance. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, all my sisters out there. Um, okay, so let's get into Acts. And uh, let me get my notes scrolled properly to where I need to be. All right, we're going to be in Acts 4, 32 through um, um, 5, chapter 5, and then all the way to verse 11. Now, obviously, that's kind of a lot of space to, to navigate. And last week, we examined the volume of our love for Christ having been told, you know, from the Bible that we should investigate this love uh, that he has for us. You remember in Ephesians three seventeen through 19, 18 in particular says that we ourselves may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, verse 19, which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And so our points were that we would have a biblical comprehension that would lead us to salvation and sanctification, guide us there, and then set our expectation. And so our, our, our thought there was, if I do the work of seeking the love of Christ, he will draw nigh. See, the one thing that we have seen just in terms of how it is that, that we all came to Christ, those of us that know the Lord Jesus Christ, is you have to, you do reconcile that love, like God loves me, man, I'm, I'm an enemy or I was a sinner. I'm, I'm dirty. How is it that he can that he would want to do this? Oh, it's, it's at least because I've reconciled some some part of that love like he loves me. OK, well, so you mean we can we can make this right? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. I can't wait, you know. And so when you get that, all of those kind of things come into play. But now that was Peter and that was what it was we were looking at. You know, the first week we were in Acts four uh, or, you know, kind of three through four. Like these these chapters really are tied together, uh, at least until the end of uh, uh, verse 11 in chapter five. But essentially, we saw the lame man. Right. And we saw what what with our who we are there. But then we see Peter and what he's trying to do or his people. I'm again. Uh, Peter is really just laying it out there for us to see that he is an Israelite's Israelite. He loves his people. He is absolutely looking for the Messiah King. So this is this would not be the after the time of the Gentiles. He doesn't even know that that that's not even in his mind. He's thinking, I want the Messiah King on the throne in Jerusalem. So whatever I got to do to make that happen, I'm going to try my best to do that. Right. And so that is where his intention is. So he recognized an ignorance of his people. Ignorant, not again, not very many days. The Lord had just been crucified. And yet there are people walking around still doing business like normal. And so here it is with his sermons that he's having to bring them to light. And so our highlights then for that are this. Peter's sermon enters the hearts of those willing to receive. Peter's sermon hardens the hearts of the religious rulers and Peter's sermon encourages his brethren. And that's pretty much chapter four up until you get about to Acts 434. And that's where I want to start reading here this morning. And so let's look at that. In Acts 434, after all of these events have taken place, being jailed, being threatened, 
being freed. Uh, and then really like being around his brethren and having them rejoice. We find ourselves in verse 34. It says this. Neither was there any among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the, the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles feet. And so that's how chapter four ends. There is such a celebration, such a knee slapping tent revival that's going on. And it's because the brethren are excited about what it is that Peter has given testimony of. He has shared with them, man. (laughs) So this guy reaches out. I tell him, stand up and rise in Jesus name. And in faith, he does it. And then he's up on his feet. That causes a stir and a commotion. I get it. I start a sermon series. It's short. Because then the religious rulers throw me in jail. And then when I get in jail, they're asking by what name and by what authority are you doing this? And so, again, I get it. Start my sermon series back up again. And, and then I get threatened. And I mean, you know, there's a lot to rejoice over. And there's individuals that are listening to all of that in the company of where they are that also put their trust in Jesus Christ. And so it absolutely needs to be a time of rejoicing and that rejoicing really sparks their heart for unity and then gets them to this spot now where they're starting to devote their lives. And I want you to understand what's happening right there. This is an act of devotion. This Barnabas is our Barnabas. And so the Lord is introducing us to him in order to show where where this started. And it's funny because really you won't really see his name again until I believe it's chapter 15. But you see, at least in terms of how he started, this is his beginning. And so, well, now there's chapter five, though. And just kind of like the book of Joshua is a book of victory. Well, Judges comes after. And so there's something else that we need to examine. When the Lord shows us names in things that seem um, mundane or menial, the Lord is highlighting something. Because remember, the layman, we don't know his name, his certain man. So now the Lord has given us names and we need to pay attention to those names. And so in chapter five, the way it begins, it says, but a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles feet. And so, well, in short, I want to give you the highlights of that there. The rest of that story doesn't go so well. It, with Barnabas, he lays what he sells his land, lays the, the profits of that at the apostles feet. And we don't hear about him again until he is in the ministry. But these guys, we hear about it and we hear the rest of it. Well, and their sin becomes public. Their sin is offensive to the Lord. And then their sin is punished. And that's what you get really between one and 11. And so I know that I'm skipping over a lot, but it's just because it's kind of a lot to cover there. But this does lead us to our title this morning is heart of devotion versus a heart of deceit. And the one thing I want you to consider is, is like you have an opportunity to hide. Nobody really knows what you're doing. (laughs) Right. I mean, you can you can say and do whatever. 
right? And you could, and you know, Facebook and Instagram is notorious for this is what my life looks like on social media. But in reality, I'm sad, <laughs> you know, but my filters say I'm very happy. So the Lord will surely find you out and the Lord knows the heart. And our thesis this morning is this public displays of devotion will never hide the true intentions of your heart from God. See, we have an anchor verse that we must keep in mind here or anchor verse, excuse me, in Hebrews 412. It says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in the sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. See, I, I, I underlined some things there is one just in terms of what the word of God is. As much as you can, you can try and hide from what, uh, you know, what you're doing or maybe the fact that just because of the situation we're in, we just don't know. Right. The word of God knows <laughs> still what you're doing. God himself still has eyes that still search the earth to and fro and can see what it is. And so what is he doing? He's discerning the heart. And one of the things that's really interesting about this time is I just kind of think about it like it, it's similar just in terms of um, the struggle I had as an iron worker. One of the when I was in the craft. So I had a 10 year window, good career, did the performing arts center, worked on the sail bridge. All, I mean, just great projects uh, that I'm very proud of. But I remember being being double minded at one point of almost every year for a few years of like, I'm going to get out and, I, you know, not having success. And sometimes I'm having run in with coworkers and just like all of these issues. And I had to basically set in my heart that I was going to be an iron worker like this is this is my job. This is what I'm going to do. And so I'm just going to own it. So I'm going to dress the part, give me a couple of denim shirts and denim pants and have my, you know, Canadian <laughs> jumpsuit. Man, I was all about it. And it was so interesting how things change once my heart changed. Well, I wonder this morning if it's the same thing. See, this time lends itself well for you to struggle. Um, but you know what? You could de- you could decide in your heart. I believe it's Barnabas that is deciding in his heart and he's showing us something. And so in terms of that, let's look at something heart of devotion. I want you to notice something. Let me encourage you this morning by this. Your life is much less complex when you obey. If you notice, (laughs) Barnabas gets a verse. And there are 11 verses for Ananias and Sapphira. One verse. And then, you know, he gets all this other stuff later that's really cool. But like, I just love when the Lord does that. He's like, this is what faithfulness looks like. Okay, we'll come back to him later. And now, over here. See, the first key point is this. You get, you get opportunities when you have a heart of devotion. You get opportunities when you have a heart of deceit. And we'll explore those in a moment. But those opportunities when you have a heart of devotion is opportunity to use, to use what we have personally. See, the thing I want you to understand is where you are is where you are. And what you have is what you have. And God is good with it. Barnabas used what he had. And at the end of that, 
in chapter four, you know, it says having land. Now, if you notice, if we go just up a little bit in verse 34, it says, neither was there any among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them. It says of him land doesn't say that he has a house, doesn't say that he worried about whether he had a house or not, if that was okay, like we tend to do. It's always this thing that's very interesting to me, just like how we <laughs> like, well, Lord, I got to have this before I'm, I serve you. Or it's got to be this first. Or, well, Lord, we'll work these things out in me first before you do that. Listen, I, you know what I have discovered about myself is that I have transformed by getting to work, not being ready to get to work. You know when I was ready? When I got saved. And so, man, you listen. Just be at peace with where God has you and what God has you doing. And whether you are skilled like one person or the next, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You've been gifted by him and to do what it is that he wants you to do. See, our second key point is this. There's an opportunity to give sacrificially. Barnabas was prepared to give till it hurt or at least until it caused discomfort because he sold it. So he had land, he recognized what he had, and then he gave it up. So now, where is Barnabas going to stay? We don't know. Barnabas is not concerned about that. It's not his land. What if, what if, because this is what could happen. This is how we do. This is how we serve the Lord a little bit, right? It's like we try to run the scenarios. Okay, if I have this Bible study, what will I miss on my favorite shows? (laughs) If I share the gospel with this person, will they reject me in this restaurant loudly? Will they tip my table over or something like, right? Like, I mean, we just, I, we want to, we want to play it all out and make sure we work it all out before we get to work. This guy had landing, sold it. Man, that, he, so now he doesn't have land. And you know how it is. Realtors will tell you and people who have amassed great wealth. In real estate, they like to buy up land because we don't make more of it. Now, actually, with an asterisk, unless you go to, um, what is it, uh, Abu Dhabi, (laughs) where they've made islands. (laughs) That's a little different. Nobody, none of us have that kind of money. So I'm pretty sure we don't have to worry about that. But it is it is kind of interesting. Just the amassing of wealth that comes from owning property. And now Barnabas just sold his. See, I think there's something about that discomfort that we just don't like, that this guy is weighing the scales of losing his land versus getting everything that God has for him. And then it sure is interesting that later on we see what an integral part he has in ministering to (coughs) the world. And his name has been recorded for all of us to see for thousands of years. The third opportunity that we get is an opportunity to trust unconditionally. You have to understand something. Barnabas laid his portion down and and get this now. And he didn't tell them what to do with it. That's how we do. So we recognize that God wants to use this. But then we'll say to the what frequency and I ain't doing it if it's this and not on this day. And don't call me at this time. And I don't like meetings and all that. You know, I've even had somebody run down a list for me. It was terrible. I'm having a conversation to try to encourage them in the faith. 
And they're running down a list of me of these are the things I've done, like a checkoff list, like I had to match what she had. So that way we could go, okay, I see you. Okay, well, it's fine for you to do whatever you want to do because you have met the criteria. No, that's not how this works. (laughs) Man, unconditionally, just lay it down. Whatever it is, your skill set is whatever. Listen, it's going to grow. It's going to change. And the Lord will surely add to you. The things that you are are not the things that you will be later. So you have to get started. When I was working on security, nobody tell me about a fellowship. Are you crazy? I would have just laughed them like you're nuts. (laughs) Thank you for that. Enjoy yourself in church. Uh, This person's been drinking. They just (laughs) watch them. Keep an eye out on them. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's how that's how this thing is. And then. Guys, because you're all my family, there, there are yet more things for me to do if I just stay faithful, if I have a heart of devotion, because it gives me opportunity. See, that's that's the thing that Barnabas is showing me. But now let's compare it. Let's compare it with the heart of deceit and and also the comparison of the complexity of sin. It. It's very involved. And so now our key point number four is that there's an opportunity to serve partially. That doesn't even sound like an opportunity, but it is one that sometimes we like to exercise that I'm kind of in, but not really. And it's, it's, it's interesting to me, the, the people that are like that. See, listen, this is what I wrote for, the, for these, this couple. This couple didn't want to be a part of what God was doing. They just wanted to look the part. Well, we know a lot of people that like that. We like, you know, got your Christian T-shirts and your, you know, blessed highly favored statements. And somebody ask you, how you doing? How would you know? When's the last time you read your word? Praise music is not reading the word. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) so get in the word and have some praise music. You can't just have one. You know what I'm saying? Like and if you're going to defer to one, defer to the word of God. See, I don't want to play church. And when I'm doing that, that partial thing, that existence that those individuals exhibited, well, we absolutely got a chance to see them in that. And so, again, let's just go back to that to, just to examine. In verse 2 of chapter 5, it says, And kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and threw a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Like, And the one thing that when I was doing the study for this, you find out that essentially this was a pre this is like a premeditated thing. Like they had no intentions of giving the whole thing. They also were in league with one another. So much so the word you know, symphoneo is used. And I mean, I was thinking about that. I was like, like a symphony. Wow. I mean, like they're in concert with each other. So much so, well, it's going to cost both of them individually. This is not a situation where maybe the wife could get out because of the husband's poor leadership. No, they're both in league together, excuse me, together on this. The other opportunity that the heart of deceit will give you is, well, to be viewed, uh, excuse me, judiciously. See, I wrote that and then I was like, I didn't set myself up for it. (laughs) Tongue's a little dry. (laughs) Sin never lets you place it somewhere else. It's yours. Man, in verse four, it says, whilst it remained and was it not thine own? And after it was so, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast lied unto men, excuse me, has not lied unto men, but unto God. 
See, the thing is that the Lord ultimately at the end of the day is the one that's making the judgment call. It doesn't matter really what I think. I may, as your leader, the Lord gives me discernment. I'm asking for that discernment. And I may try to speak into your lives and try to help you and stir the ship from drop, you know, going off of a cliff. But essentially, you're going to have to answer to the Lord ultimately. And as God's key man in this situation, yeah, there there are some things that the Lord and I are going to discuss about this. But ultimately, my heart is that I just want you to be in a good place with him. And so, listen, judge yourself before it gets that high up the ladder. Man, you can be quick and swift to correction. And absolutely, the Lord will he'll be with you. Now, unfortunately, we need to talk about something. The severity of this deal is because, again, we have not doctrinally switched. We're still under the law. So these practices, essentially, this is like when they're the vow. They've made a vow to the Lord and they have not honored that vow. And so now the Lord is going to call them on it. Our key point number six is opportunity to suffer loss consequentially. And we see that in 5, 10 and 11. And let's read those. Let's just go through those. It says, and Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up. (laughs) That's kind of funny. And carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. And then excuse me, then fell down, uh, then fell she down straightway at his feet, yielded up the ghost. And the young man came in, found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. So you got to understand something. Galatians 6, 7, you guys know what it says. Let's just read it, though. It says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. See, you got to understand something. The application for you is this. Wilderness seasons are for internal examination. The one thing that you should be doing during this time is taking a look, taking stock. Where am I at, Lord? It's like I said, examine where you are in terms of do you understand God's love to the point that it's driving you to the next step? I'm not saying leaps. I'm saying the next step. His love should be doing that. But now if I examine, am I do I have a heart of devotion or a heart of deceit? And do I understand really what this pandemic is about? Man, it's. It's an ugly mess. But for the church, this is absolutely a thing for us to take stock internally and say, where are we at? Man, knowing everything we know that this Laodicean age and all of that, the Lord has given us an opportunity to not fall into that category. This is why we're man, just the fruit that you're seeing from people just opening their mouths. A simple thing like sending a letter that the fact that I got any of them back is only by the grace of God. Right. And so I'm telling you, look inside what is going on. Why haven't you, if you have not, why haven't you grown more? What is stunning your growth? Perhaps it is there's a heart position there that just needs to be adjusted or dealt with. 
See, in case you think that I'm joking about that wilderness or I'm, I'm drawing straws here, well, I'm just telling you what God said. Deuteronomy 8, 2 says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Guys, you are being led right now. This is not an accident. The Lord was not caught off by surprise. You're being led. And what does that leading do? Lead these, these 40 years in the wilderness. Why? To humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thy heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. At the end of the day, this whole thing is about you getting on track. Man, with faith fellowship and what we have going on and and all of the mag leaders that we have. I'm telling you, let me tell you, I told them already. But my heart is that we would grow to the size of that. It could split that if the, that if Sam sees what's happening in our fellowship and he's like, hey, Dell, man, you got some fellowship. I have five <laughs> fellowship leaders. And that you we get out there. So, you know what that's going to come from? Bible study. And I know for some of you, that is like that's like pulling teeth for you to be a part of one. But listen, if you're not accountable in the word of God, how how are we going to grow? Because, you know, you can't trust yourself to stay in your word. But ain't nothing like accountability. Like when you know you up (laughs) and they go around the room and then you say, well, I or you did the oh, I was in the car and you trying to listen to a blue letter on the speakers and like, okay, what is Colossians? Yes, got it. All right, so well, these are my, and then you're just going to be talking long and wrong. And, <laughs> and so, listen, listen, get in a Bible study, okay? What I'm praying for you, I'm praying this. Now, I'm God's key man, so I get, a, I get this special place with him. I'm praying for you that we, as a class, will be more evangelistic. We need to open our mouth. We need to get that buzz going in our neighborhoods and and those co-workers and just invite them in. And now, listen, we can get some of them to to zoom in and then draw them in. I mean, we can get physical ones. We can have, you know, a digital. I mean, there's a lot of things, but I'm praying that for you because that's that's where the number is going to go. And then what I'm going to do with y'all, I'm going to give you opportunity. I'm going to get out of your way. I'm not afraid of anybody growing past where I'm at. That's what I desire. But guys, listen, if you have a heart of deceit, it ain't going to happen. It's not. If we're just going to play games that it's not going to happen. And so my invitation is this. I'm inviting you to a space and place that just simply says, Lord, I got land. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to just set it down and you just do whatever. That's all I've done. There's nothing special about me except for whatever the Lord says that I am. And we, you know, I can't redefine that. But he says the same thing about you. And so I, I, I know it's quick and all this is weird and, all, you know, all this stuff. And, but I'm telling you, you have to pay attention to Barnabas, Ananias, and Sapphira and look at their lives. The opportunity for all three was right there and only one took it. Man, don't let somebody else get what it is that God has for you. Because you won't do it. And so, let's pray. And we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again for your word. And just thank you for, Lord, how you uh, just encourage me. 
Lord, I pray that as a fellowship, we would just stay the course. Um, Lord, that we would dig in, that we would be more evangelistic, that all of us would be a part of Bible studies or starting Bible studies. And that, Lord, that there would be opportunities for for the men to to teach from this pulpit, the ladies to to do. I mean, just the number of things, all of these great creative minds. Lord, use us. I'm begging you, Lord, use us. Use our children. Lord, I pray from the testimony of our devotion, Lord, that our children and our spouses and our family that's on the fringe would look and see what you're doing and inquire. Lord, help us to live lives in the shadows that still honor you. Lord, be with us. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Hey, I love every last one of you. You are the best people that I know. Okay, and so I really miss you. Be careful. If you come to church, I might hug you now. You just watch out. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, hey, I got to clean the room up, get out of the way for the next group. Okay, um, when you do come at some point, okay, when you do come, well, that's that's how we got to do it. Okay, and that's pretty nice, you know, just clean up the, the chairs or whatever, wipe them out, and then get out. Okay, that way we can do that. So. Um, if you decided to come to church, no worship service now, there will be one at 1145 and, uh, that's when you would do that. But boy, I'm, you know, the eight o'clock one, sure. It could use you. (laughs) It could use you. All right. I love you. I'll see you next Sunday.